People's biggest fear about lips is not how bad it's gonna hurt, but what's the outcome. And is there a reason that we don't do it there? Yes. Okay, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, um, Lindsay, you're watching this. It's not safe. That should be soft tissue. We don't want anything semi-permanent. It would be a disaster to dissolve. Yeah, I love, love, love what you said about safety, and I think that's where we all approach this. Number one, we have to make sure that what we're doing is safe and achievable. So, Jerry, do you want to explain a little about what the Hylopin is? And know that in 2018 that the FDA did issue a warning. So this is not something we're just dealing with. Hi, and welcome to Beauty and the Brain, the podcast where we discuss all things aesthetics. I'm your co-host, Dr. Chris Crowley. And I'm Jerry Drinkard, family nurse practitioner. And together, Chris and I own Skin & Tonic Med Spa that's located in Pace, Florida. Today, we're joined by our nurse practitioner that works with us, Allie Ballou, and we're so happy to have you with us today. Hi again. Yeah, Allie's like one of our regulars now, so she's <laughs> here enough. Many of you guys know her. She's uh, worked with us now for um, almost two years at uh, Skin & Tonic. And so really happy to have her here. So both of these guys here, so Jerry and Allie, are really, really passionate about doing lip filler procedures. So we're gonna give them a platform today to talk about this. And um, I'm gonna kinda go over uh, some of the things that I think we get asked a lot and some of the things I'm a little bit curious about. Briefly before we start, I can tell you that, you know, we've been doing lip fillers now for almost uh, 15 years. But when we first started doing this, it was not nearly as popular as it is right now. And I can also tell you that I personally hated doing them. Those of you guys who have known our story or followed us along, we started in Chicago and in Illinois, nurses could inject. So it was an RN, Jerry injected there. But when we moved, uh, the laws were a bit different here. And so I was the only one that could do injections uh, while Jerry went back to nurse practitioner school. So for a little bit, he was like running everything at the med spa and he would fill my day up with lip injections. And I was ready to have a heart attack and choke Jerry all at the same time. Cause I'm like, why did you give me another set of lips? But lips are important. Lips are important. With lip patients, you have two populations. You have Allie's age group and you have our age group plus. And I think for Allie's age group, I think a lot of it is driven by social media. And we'll talk a little more about this, but I think that lip is really important in full facial balancing in an older population. And so I think it's one of those things that people's biggest fear about lips is not how bad it's gonna hurt, but how is the, what's the outcome? Are they gonna look strange? They don't wanna look like some of the people that they've seen before. But once you put those lips on them and they realize how much more balanced they look and how much more youthful they look, then they're so happy. And so I think it's just a really, really important feature. It'd be almost like, like not having freaking eyebrows. How weird is that? So you put a, pair, a pretty set of lips on someone, give them a little volume back, and it just makes you feel good. Yeah. I just hated doing it because <laughs> back at that time, I don't know that we had as much training. There was, a, and, and maybe there was out there and we just didn't know, but there was a lot of trial and error. And I look now at what we're able to do and what we're able to teach with the different techniques to really create beautiful shapes, to create symmetry. And we have perfect products that are designed just for the lips. I think that's the biggest 
difference is now like Allie's coming into this and she has like at her fingertips some of the best products that have yeah. ever been released. And so what makes Lips your favorite? I think it's the instant result for one, you know, it's not something you have to be like, oh, you know, come back in six weeks and we'll see what they look like. You know, you get that instant gratification, a little swelling, but other than that instant gratification, I think that I like getting to work with all different age groups, like you said, and they all want something different. And so that's what I love. It's like, it's not just another lip filler. It's a whole new client, a whole new set of goals, a whole new preference. And so I always make sure, you know, and talk with my patients about, you know, do you want a Cupid's bow? It's kind of getting popular now to smudge out the Cupid's bow. Um, you know, do you want two big pillows or do you want a continuous bottom lip? There's just different things. Do you want more height in your upper lip or just some fullness? And so there's a lot of different things and ways that you can go about doing lip filler. So I get so excited every time because I'm like, I'm going to get a new set of lips and I'm going to get to create them and mold them and structure them differently than any other set of lips I've ever done because everybody's so different. Well, it's interesting because, you know, as Jerry said, facial balancing is so important. And so I think we see both extremes. And so patients come in and they maybe they want very large lips, but that may not be natural for their face. So there's a bit that we have to kind of respect what goes on with them natural. But then I think more often than that, what we hear is a common fear is that their lips are going to be overdone. And so when we start discussing lip goals with them, everybody is afraid of having something plastered on their face, front and center, their lips, that look unnatural. So how do you reassure your patients, Allie, that you're going to respect their natural anatomy and not over augment their lips? I always tell them I'm a natural, pro-natural enhanced gal myself. Um, I don't, I always tell people my preference is, is she blessed with great lips or does she maybe have a little bit of filler or is she wearing lip plumper? Did she overline them today? And so that's kind of what I generally go for. You do have your few who like the very dramatic look and you can talk to them about it and everything. But I always tell them, you know, the products too, like that are made specifically for the lip area is going to have a natural look, a natural feel. Um, it's not going, something that's going to bother you or get in the way of anything. People will not name drop as much of anything as when they come in to get lip filler. They will name drop eight people from their hometown and be like, I do not want to look like this. I do not want to look like this. And I'm like, oh. or I want to look like so-and-so. Or I want to, I yeah. want my lips to look like this person's. And I, the most common when you get the celebrity ones, like I do not want to look like Kylie Jenner and something that I always tell people to kind of ease their nerves. I say, you know, I don't have enough talent and I don't have enough product in the syringe to make you Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Because many people think she's beautiful, right? And so yeah. we have some of our young girls come in. It's like, I want to look like this. Absolutely. Because, oh, and awesome, there's not beautiful. enough product to do yeah. that. And one syringe and I don't do more than one syringe in one session I explain that to them as well for migration purposes and just safety so Jerry what are your, your, your thoughts I know that um, you and I have a couple of patients together that we've seen that are a little bit over augmented or overdone so how do you uh, deal with those patients do you comply and put more filler in when they come in do you talk them out of it I think that's when your overall assessment comes into play and it's not just an overall physical assessment. Um, I wanna be sure that I'm treating the patient safely. For That's my first goal, that I'm giving them what they want. But I also want, I don't want to treat someone that I feel is not mentally able to handle it. I say that just based on, there's so much body dysmorphia now. And so um, we do a lot of education with our patients. 
And so whenever they come in, if they want to be overfilled and it's, um, or they want to be overly augmented, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, if I think that the patient is stable, I think that their lips can handle it, I think it's safe, then I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of feel the same about this. Um, I think it's really important, and this is one of the things we talk about with um, new injectors, and when we teach our lip classes, I think it's really important early on that you kind of establish what your look is. And I went to a really um, kind of fun, they did a, um, a Galderma Train the Trainer event recently. And um, one of the things they did is have all our signatures that somehow they pulled from a million documents that we submit over time. And they quickly flashed it on this big screen. And they, they pointed out how your eye immediately goes to your signature. So mine was up there with you know a hundred other people and immediately I recognized my signature. And it's kind of the same with our aesthetic work. We have certain things that we're known for, our cheeks, lips, whatever the, the case may be. And so you wanna be really careful early on if you're doing a lot of these overly augmented patients because you're gonna get known for that. It's gonna be your look. Whereas um, I think all of us are in agreement and it's kind of our practice um, philosophy in general that we try to really augment your nice features but do this in a way that respects your natural anatomy. But we do have a handful of patients that we have fun with. We love those patients and they are overly augmented. My overly augmented patients, they're gonna put your name on it too. Yeah, they're gonna let everybody know get, you did it. When they get their lips done, they do their Instagram live. Yeah. They always tag me in their reels. And probably five of my favorite patients to see, like, and I think they're absolutely beautiful. They are slightly overdone for what I would, what I would choose for them. But it matches their personality. It matches their line of work. It matches the, the image that they want to put out there. Uh -huh. And so, I mean, I love, love, love what you said about safety. And I think that's where we all approach this. Number one, uh, we have to make sure that what we're doing is safe and achievable. And we have to make sure that the patient has realistic understanding of what we're doing. I think body dysmorphia is really important. And so we do have ways that we screen for that, ways that we look for that. And pretty much for those of you who are not familiar with that, that's where someone has, it doesn't matter what you do to them, they have an abnormal perception. So they don't see themselves in the mirror, regardless of what we tell them, the same way that the world sees them. And so they don't view these things as overdone. That's very different than someone who has a, a different aesthetic goal. And I use the example a lot, you know, I'm not a fan of purple hair on me. I don't think the purple hair is necessarily bad. Some people look great with purple hair. I don't like purple hair. But if I can, somebody can safely go and get their hair colored like that, then who am I to say that that's wrong? Same thing with some of these aesthetic procedures. I think we need to screen, make sure it's not a dysmorphic disorder, make sure it's something that we can safely achieve. And the biggest thing for lips, I believe, and I just saw um, you know, somebody commenting on this recently on uh, a, a pretty famous injector saying, we gotta make sure that they're okay knowing that they're gonna be with that for a while. Because if we stretch their lips out to the point to accommodate a lot of filler, when that filler goes away, that's gonna be a lot of loose skin because we've essentially stretched it. And so they're gonna to have to be okay with like owning that look for a prolonged period. So we don't do lots of those patients in our practice. We have only a handful because in general, we want our reputation to be more natural looks. But we do have a handful of those that, that we kind of have uh, fun with. Allie, do you ever do any of the, uh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was kind of going back to the whole safety thing, but you can ask Allie this and we'll come back to it because as soon as you said safety, I thought hyalopin. Yeah, I wanna talk about hyalopin, but I also wanna um, 
just briefly touch on this before we go on to Hylopin. Um, Allie, do you do any semi-permanent fillers, things like radius or Bellafill in the lips? No. Okay. And is there a reason that we don't do it there? Yes. Okay, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, um, Lindsay, you're watching this. It's not safe. It's not something that you want to put in the lip tissue a lot of times, especially something like radius. I mean, that has um, calcium in it. Like, that's too hard, too harsh for the lips. That should be soft tissue. We don't want anything semi-permanent. It would be a disaster to dissolve what, it, I mean, if you messed them up or if you made them asymmetrical or something like, I mean, you don't want them stuck with that. It's just, it's not safe. The great thing about HA fillers is that you can dissolve them if the patient's like, you know, I thought I wanted this, but I've changed my mind. Lips are a big deal. I can remember the first time I got my lips injected. I was so excited, but I was like, what have I done to myself? Because I'd never seen lips on myself. Now I look back at pictures of myself before I had lip filler and I'm like, oh God, you know? And so it's, it's a big change for people. And if you don't like that change, it's so amazing that we have the ability to reverse it. Yeah. And so that, again, it plays right into what we talk about with safety. So we do use products that we can dissolve if they don't like them. We have that medication to dissolve it available on hand. And uh, we actually use products that are approved for on-label use in this area. So, I mean, it's great that we have access to that. But this brings us to the topic of uh, Hylopin. So, Jerry, do you want to explain a little about what the Hylopin is? Yeah, so it's a it's basically a needleless system that um, that's being used, and I, I hope that it's kind of losing some traction now. We haven't heard quite as much about it um, recently. I know there are still a few that are um, that are doing it. It's oftentimes done by um, non medically trained professionals. Um, my biggest fear with Hylopin is. Uh, vascular occlusion um, safety. I think the, as far as aesthetic results, those can be corrected, you know, but um, a lot of the places that we know of that have been doing the Hylopin or have a history of doing the Hylopin, do they even have Hylonex? Like, do they know what Hylonex is? Are they trained? And so um, it goes back to what we've talked about on every single episode of this podcast we've ever done in the safety. And at the end of the day, we want what's the safest for our patient. Mm -hmm. And I personally don't view it as a safe treatment. So Allie, have you had to deal with patients who've had the Hylopin and are either happy or not happy with their results? I think I've only seen one in the clinic that I think Jerry was treating at the time um, and I was kind of helping with him and it was not a good experience for her. Um, she actually did like an overfilled lip or what I would consider an overly augmented lip for her face structure in my opinion and i think that she still likes the fullness but mm. it was an issue of asymmetries because you don't have the control that you have with a needle and ha filler by a medical provider and so that's another big thing aside from safety is results and you're going to get filler but it's very likely going to be either migrated or not symmetric and so not having yeah. that control well i think one of the things to kind of point out with that is you're correct. They're, they're usually getting some sort of hyaluronic acid, but we don't necessarily know what that hyaluronic acid is, how it's cross-linked, how those molecules are held together, or how they're manufactured or produced, because they're not um, FDA-approved products, so they're not distributed in any controlled fashion. And so they're, they're, you really could be, it's a pressure device that kind of forces this product in um, through the skin. And in doing so, you could be putting something in there that is, is not sterile, 
but it also, because of the pressure that it uses to inject this, it can be uneven, it can be lumpy. Now, there are people out there that I've seen that are very happy with their Hyalopin lips. And, um, you know, there are some practices, some medical practices, that are using this as a needleless alternative to deliver product. But to my knowledge, there's no FDA-approved um, hyaluronic acid filler to deliver through that device. So I just want to caution, you know, buyer beware when you're going out and, and getting some of these pr procedures done. Um, we have seen more people unhappy with their results than we have people happy. Now, again, that may be that we're selecting out because people that are coming to us are usually coming to get that fixed or repaired. And so maybe we're not seeing all the people that are having it, they're happy with it, but just be aware of, um, the risk of that and, and know that in 2018 that the FDA did issue a warning. So this is not something we're just dealing with. That warning has been out for a few years that um, state that this should not be used around the lips or the eye because if you do get it in or around a vessel that compresses it, um, you know, it can be tissue necrosis or tissue death or even blindness in some cases. Um, you know, it, Again, buyer beware. I think beware. it was so attractive because people are so scared about the pain associated with lip filler a lot of times. And it's supposed to be, you know, a painless, needleless, you know, way to introduce hyaluronic acid filler or product into the lips with highly pressurized air. And so I think that was very attractive for people. And it's not worth it. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are afraid of pain. Yeah. Me included, right? Same. I'm one of the biggest babies. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about how we keep our patients comfortable for lip injections? Yeah. So we use our topical anesthetic typically. Um, it's a really, really good cream. We've had, you know, tattoo artists that come in and get stuff done and they're like, where did you get this? Like, this is some good numbing cream. And so most of the time people are comfortable with that. Me personally, sometimes I like to do a dental block. Jerry knows because he's like, oh. Um, but no, we will do a dental block, which helps a little bit more um, additional numbing. Um, and dental blocks are actually relatively comfortable. I was scared to do a dental block the first time, but you put a little bit of um, oral numbing cream in there um, on the gums, and then you don't even really feel the injection. All you feel is just like a pinch. It's blocked. And you may still feel a few pokes, but it's comfortable enough. Um, I always tell people I'm a baby too, and it's not super comfortable, but it's nothing I'm going to go without either. It's not so uncomfortable that I'm not going to have my lips done. So, and that's coming, that's a lot saying for me. And I think the distraction techniques, the vibrating, mm -hmm. you know, tools that, that sometimes gives kind of preoccupies patient. We keep ours in, um, in the freezer. So they're nice and cold for the patient. Um, ice packs that um, the patient can apply to the, you know, the alternate side that we're working on. It kind of gives the patient a job. And then I think ice in general is a pretty good anesthetic as well. So um, so we do our best to, to keep patients as comfortable as possible, even people like you. <laughs> yeah, I've had lip filler once or twice. It's been a, a long time, but he usually, it's, it's when I'm least expecting it. And then he's like, I think you need a little bit in your lips. You don't need those wrinkles. So he plants that seed and I'm like, well, let's pull them out. Um, do you treat any patients now, uh, Jerry or, or Allie, um, that have had lip implants that you have to do other things because they've had them for a long time and maybe they're not exactly where they wanted them or their lips have changed over time? I actually have two patients that have had lip implants removed. I think one of them started out in you treated her, and then um, and I've just kind of maintained her her filler. And it was a challenge because of the pockets that are in the lip following the removal of the implant. And then um, 
we also we have another patient, and unfortunately, she had a silicone product injected that cannot be removed. And um, she did. Um, I, I just recently saw her in the clinic, and she her dissatisfaction is that it's so heavy you can't see her top lip. I mean, her top teeth. I'm sorry. And um, you can so, see the lip. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, they're big, and she said that. Um, you know, she's gone to two different surgeons that gave her surgical options, but they also told her that her lip would be disfigured when they removed it. So, um, you know, those, she had an unapproved um, product that was put in, she, she referred to it as illegal, um, that she had, had put in several years ago. She, um, fortunately, the, she had a similar product put in her cheeks that turned out really nicely. So she's, she's good with her cheeks, but that's my experience with the lip. Yeah, so with lip implants too, I have very limited experience. I know the patient that you're referring to, but just like people who have filler for a long time, the implants will stretch the lips out. And so then if you have them removed or your face doesn't age um, in the way that you, you're like, and you have that removed, we're gonna have to fill that up or you're gonna have a lot of loose tissue and a lot of loose uh, skin there. In general, um, we don't see problems with a lot of reactions to this. So I don't know if people who have things like implant syndrome, which you you know hear a lot of talk about now from like the breast implants. I'm not saying that's not out there, but it's not something that's uh, you know talked about extensively. And so uh, you know we don't deal with a lot of that. We're doing more filler. So I think the good thing now is we have safe options. So the hyaluronic acid class of fillers is a safe option that's uh, relatively short acting. The bad thing is if you like it, you have to maintain it, you have to keep it up. But it's something that's not gonna be there should you, or you can change the shape or what you, you like about your lips um, as time goes on. Um, is there anybody, Allie, who you would say is not a good candidate for lip filler? Just, you know, anybody who's had like a previous allergic reaction to any type of hyaluronic acid filler, people who are you know overly augmented i mean you know just caution them about like you said you know you overfill and you keep it filled over that prolonged time can, when it can you just talk a little bit there because you touched on it earlier but i don't know that people quite got it let's talk about overfilling the putting too much filler and migration what is migration and and what are some of the factors that lead to it yeah so migration is something i feel like that's becoming more and more of a complicated common complication, I guess, I think it's the volume too that we see of lip filler, but migration can happen whenever you're injecting outside of the vermilion border, which is going to be like that perioral region kind of around the mouth. Um, it's a much higher risk of migration whenever you're doing large volumes of filler at one time when those lips haven't stretched at all and they're not, you know, capable of holding that filler in the area that you've placed it and can eventually migrate outside of the vermilion border or your lip line. So I think that's something that, and you know, sometimes it happens and you know, you can do Hylinex or, and dissolve that filler and then, you know, replace any filler that gets uh, dissolved in the process. But um, something that you need to be very careful with. Um, I know I've had people beg me, you know, to do two syringes on them at one time before and oh, my, my last injector did it or I moved from here and they will, you know, I just don't do it because I want you to have the best result. You can come back in as soon as two weeks mm -hmm. and we can add a little bit more if necessary. We can at least look at that option or you can do something like add a little bit of neuromodulator above the lip to get a better uh, height of the top lip too in combination with filler. So Jerry, if you have to dissolve someone's lips, either because they're not happy with the result or it's migrated, um, how long can they get injections and can they get them replaced on the same day that you dissolve them? No. Um, 
so typically what we we recommend is to to come back in two weeks for a follow-up session um, with dissolving and then I like to wait at least four to six weeks to re-inject and we were just in um, I sat in on a class in Dallas and and they were this guy was, which is a very well respected injector said he waits up to six months um, now that's for yeah that's um, for migration for migration because right. you know the, I think a really good point you're making is those paths are open however it migrated to start with right. is going to remain open um, but if it hasn't migrated and they just don't like their result uh, how long do you wait before you put four it? weeks four weeks okay no, Allie are you the same yeah I would say two weeks for me a little bit I'd probably do it a little bit sooner um, that enzyme that we inject to dissolve the lips hangs around for a little bit but you're gonna have some inflammation and swelling so for sure the longer you wait the better uh, the safer you're gonna be in terms of making sure well you're well out of that time frame um, you know for me I've always kind of said two weeks is is where I would do that um, and again, you can see the difference in, in each of us individually within the practice. So I hope you guys have learned a lot about lips today on this podcast. Do you guys have anything you want to add before we close it? I don't think so. I think the main thing is stay safe. If you decide that you do want lip filler, just stay safe. Choose an approved provider, someone that's well-educated, someone that has products that's appropriate for what your, what your goal is. Yeah. And clearly we like to provide that for you at Skin and Tonic. So go check out our website at skinandtonic.pro. Come see one of our uh, great providers. You can see they're very well educated on lip, lip specialists. So I think they would both do lips all day if they could. Um, really, they, they enjoy doing that. I will do them for you if you want me to. I also have done them for a while now. I finally got over the hatred that I had for doing them, but these guys definitely uh, specialize in it. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Beauty in the Brain. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. See you soon.